Ready, set, go! What should I look for in an EV? Welcome to the EV Diaries. I'm your host, Ben. This is the show where we explore the electric vehicle's impact on small-town America. If you're looking at EVs and you have to realize there's more options today than there was, and there's more on the way, if you live in small-town America, you might be asking yourself, what should I take into consideration before purchasing an EV? Most EVs are designed to be city vehicles with uh, short commutes, but they are still viable in small-town America. So you have to ask yourself three questions. Does it fit my needs? Does it fit my budget? And can it fit my lifestyle? All right, needs. Does it fit your needs? Well, as we've discussed, there are a couple of options that you have. You can go for a battery electric vehicle, which means that it's all electric, or a plug-in hybrid electric vehicle, which means that it has a battery pack, and once the battery is depleted, that there is some backup mechanism to generate electricity to drive the car. First consideration is, are you able to find a battery pack to suit your needs? And if you can, then a battery electric vehicle may be the best option for you. But if you have range anxiety, then look for something that you can put gasoline in, such as a Chevy Volt. Range is the big consideration when you're looking at a car. Rule of thumb that I've seen is you need at least one and a half to two times your daily driving. Uh, for me, I drive anywhere from 70 to 100 miles a day. So I'm looking for at least 150 miles out of a battery pack. All right, other consideration is room. Are you gonna be hauling things? Do you need cargo space? Does the car function the way you need it to function? And then the last thing to consider is practicality. Is the car practical for you? Now, I realize practicality doesn't always enter into it. And as you know, I'm looking to purchase my first EV. I really have my eye set on this 2020 Mini Cooper that's coming out, all electric, because I've been driving a Mini Cooper. Now, is that the most practical car for me? Maybe not. I could probably get by with, with something other than a Mini, but I'm just sort of, I'm brand loyal to Mini at this point, so it might not be the most practical thing, but it doesn't have to be practical. It's whatever fits your needs. Now, the second question you have to ask, does this fit my budget? Okay, now, if you do any research on EVs, you've got the question of leasing an EV versus buying an EV because you can lease an EV relatively inexpensively. The problem is most leases limit you to 10 to 15,000 miles a year over the course of the lease, which is usually two to three years. Now, for me, that's not gonna work because I drive 
at least 20 to 25,000 miles a year. That being said, there's no way that I would just not absolutely bankrupt myself trying to lease an EV. Uh, much better off for me to buy one. Also got to look at the incentives. Uh, most of the vehicles that are out there on the market still have their tax incentives left, and you can find those at fueleconomy.gov. It will tell you exactly what vehicles are available for the tax incentives and how much tax incentives are left. Just so you know, this is early December 2019. Tesla will go away at the end of the year. No more tax incentives for Tesla. Chevy's following close behind. So if you're in the market for a Tesla or you're in the market for a Chevy, time to buy is now. Next thing to ask yourself is how long are you going to keep the car? And this comes back to lease and buy, which like I said, sometimes leasing is not an option. Most people keep cars anywhere from two to three, sometimes four years. I know people that it seems like they get a new car every year. I've had my Mini Cooper, which I bought used. It's a 2005. I bought it in, I think, 2015. So I've had this car at least four years. And I would keep this car because, A, it's paid for, and B, I absolutely love it. However, the downside is it's starting to have some mechanical issues that make fixing it worth more than the value of the car. Um, even though I may purchase an EV here in the near future, I'm probably going to retain ownership of this Cooper and, and have it rebuilt at some time, but it's going to be more of a passion project as opposed to a functionality issue. Okay, battery warranty. I know we've talked about battery, what you can expect. Investigate your battery warranty when you're looking at an EV. Um, and think of it, you know, battery warranties are sort of like the drivetrain warranties on an internal combustion engine. You know, five years or 50,000 miles. Batteries uh, on the market now are usually warrantied eight to 10 years. Um, somewhere around 100,000 miles. And um, I think it's Hyundai has a limited lifetime warranty on their battery. Uh, so you might might look to see exactly what the battery warranty is and to see if you plan on keeping the car longer than what the battery warranty is. Um, of course, that's, that's up to you and, and what you need. And let's talk about insurance. Believe it or not, and I don't understand why, insurance on an EV is more than on a traditional car. It seems to me that if you insure a $35,000 car, regardless of it's a, whether it's an internal combustion engine or whether it's an EV, what's the difference? The value of the car is the same. I think the insurance industry really needs to look at that. And I think it just basically comes back to people don't understand EVs. 
and they're afraid that they're going to just randomly burst into flames and that the risk is higher with an EV, which from all the literature that I've read, that's just a myth. The insurance industry really needs to take note of that. The last thing when it comes to whether the car is going to fit your budget or not, look at your utility rates. Now, I guarantee that it's cheaper to operate an EV than it is a traditional car based on the current price of gas and utility rates. But you have to take into consideration you may have uh, a special EV rate that's available to you um, from your utility. Uh, you may have a time of use rate. There are ways that your charging can be much, much less than what it would be if you were just charging on your regular home rate. Another consideration is if you've got solar or some sort of battery backup system, wind, any other kind of renewable, um, you know, you're basically charging with the sun, charging with the wind. Um, and we talked about on-peak and off-peak charging and, and how that affects utilities. Uh, you've got uh, some really good opportunities with what's out there to charge renewably and, and really, uh, if your goal is for environmental impact, you've got a lot of options that you can you can uh, maximize your your um, carbon reduction and your environmental footprint. Um, the last thing to consider, does this fit my lifestyle? And the first question you have to ask there is, where and how am I going to charge? Now, I say that the chargers are on board the car. Um, there's, a, there's an inverter in there that, that takes the electricity from whatever delivery system that you have and converts it over and charges the battery. And keep in mind, too, that uh, that inverter in the car determines how fast you're going to charge. So even though you might be at a public charging station that says... Uh, 50 kW, for example, DC fast charge, your car is going to be limited by what's on board as how fast it can take that. You might not be able to charge at 50 kW. Um, most cars, when you purchase them, come with what is known as an EVSE, which is Electric Vehicle Supply Equipment. That's the level one cord that has your J1772 plug on one end that goes into the car and your wall plug on the, the other end. Another option is your level two home chargers that you can install in your, your garage. It's um, usually a 240 volt connection. Um, and this is what you'll see at a lot of public chargers that are level two. Uh, charge stations, I should say. Looking at how you're going to charge, where you're going to charge, most people are going to charge at home, so you've got to make sure that you've got the, the, the space to do so. Like we've talked about in cold weather situations, you may need to consider, um, you know, if you have a garage or not. Uh, but that's, that's a big question. Where and how are you going to charge? And then the next question is, what is near you? 
uh, what kind of infrastructure is around uh, do you have level two chargers available places that you go uh, is there a DC fast charging network um, so if you know your car has a 150 mile range and you need to make a trip that's going to take you 75 100 miles away from home are you going to be able to charge efficiently at your destination in order to get back um, of course this is uh, one of those things that as more infrastructure gets in place the easier this becomes you have to use your imagination to see how this is going to impact your life like i said you basically got a gas station in your garage now uh, so you're going to charge every night or as necessary uh, you may be able to drive your car three or four days without a charge depending on the range and and um, how you you operate it but you just have to use your imagination and say what is going to change and it's a it's a paradigm shift because an EV functions the same as an internal combustion engine car however there's just new habits that you will have to develop owning an EV another question to consider uh, when it comes to lifestyle is this the only car that you have access to again if you are dependent on one vehicle you have to weigh these considerations much more heavily I know for me we have two gasoline vehicles and I'm getting ready to replace a gasoline vehicle with an electric vehicle. The good thing is the EV that I plan on getting is going to be used for my daily commute. It's not going to be our road trip vehicle. On our road trips then we will use our, our gasoline car but I have access to two vehicles. Say you only have one. Is an EV right for you? Well it depends on if you want to take a road trip are you going to be able to rent a car or can you plan your route such that you can charge along the way? And there are apps and websites that can help you plan that. We'll talk about that one day. All right, so here's the summary. Buying an EV is just like buying any other car. You go, you do the test drive, you research, you look at your options, and you make sure it fits your needs, your budget, and it's going to fit your lifestyle. And if an EV can satisfy all of those things, I say get one. It's cheaper to operate. You're going to reduce your environmental impact. And it's just cool. Come on, let's face it. The cool factors are there. Thanks for listening. Click that subscribe button. Leave me a review on Apple Podcast. And if you all have other considerations that I may have overlooked, Send me an email, ben at evdiaries.com, or find me on social at evdiaries. Just remember, the EV revolution is here. And if you want to be part of it, get your EV and buckle up. It should be a fun ride. Mm-hmm.